Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Our first ever on-location podcast of the Total She Show, Mike Davidson along with Chris... Producer Chris, and uh, what a week it's been in the wrestling game. I have so much to say, and we're going to have an argument. Last week, our argument was whether Luther belonged on the AEW roster. <laughs> yes, it was. Today, it's going to be an even more heated argument. I'm I'm on caffeine, so be careful. Uh, I'm worried about it, but before we get started, Mike, episode 20 <laughs> of the Total B She Show. So the show has officially started with that. That's okay, right. here we go. I have something to say. Oh, do you? It's an unpopular, unpopular, what I think. People, I think 20% of the people polled agreed with me. And here's what I said. I believe this. I think AEW is pulling a very elaborate work over the people. I think Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, the elite, the EVPs, did not go into CM Punk's locker room and get into a shoot. I think that they're going to work this into an angle, and I think the people are buying it because they want to believe that an angle like this could happen based on heat and hatred, and I am the only person who believes this. You are. I know this. Now tell me why you believe it's a a shoot. Well, here's the thing. First, right off the bat, I thought... For the same thing. I thought this is a work. I, the, the Why first, did you think that initially? Because there were so little details about backstage details, and I know anybody can make up anything, but the details that have come out since are so deta- detailed. The details are detailed. Yeah. Uh, but there's so there's so many layers to it. There's so many people that are apparently getting fired, apparently getting laid off. Blah blah blah. It just seems, and and of all the stories you've heard about the uh, the elite, specifically the box, I'm not gonna cap on Omega because I feel like. It, if it is a shoot, I, I, I doubt Omega was going in there super aggressive. I feel like it was the elite going in there shooting off their mouths. But from what I've heard, based on how things are operating there, there seems to be a lot of heat on these, those EVPs, specifically the Bucks, for presenting this very childish affront okay. of wrestling. Okay, and that's so you- why I think it's real, because CM Punk... I'm not going to say he's old school, but he's definitely more serious about the business than those guys are. So what I'm to understand, though, is CM Punk is the heel in this. The EVPs got tired of him being speaking out and said, hey, it's time to play ball. Now, here's the problem. In weeks previous, I've told you Tony Khan has no clue. If this is a shoot, Tony Khan has run all elite right into the ground, let a very dysfunctional locker room get out of hand, and now people are going to quit and, and there's going to be problems. People are going to get fired. This would be the worst thing for business if it's a shoot. But it's the best thing for business if it's a work. So I choose to believe it is a work that's going to lead to a money match. My biggest criticism of Tony Khan is he doesn't know how to build to money matches. Very, very apparent. But if this is a work, it is going to lead to CM Punk versus Kenny Omega for all the marbles and a huge pay-per-view buy. And if I'm right, it's the best thing for business. I want to be right about this. I, I, th- I you know what? I think ultimately it's going to be turned into a work. So even if it is a shoot, I think they're, I think they're going to work it out and turn it into a work shoot situation because I don't see them releasing CM Punk first off. He's the guy who garnered them a million dollar pay per view buy. Uh, you know they've signed him to a big contract. They're not getting rid of Kenny Omega. They're 
I mean, I wish they'd get rid of the bucks, but they're not going to get rid of the bucks. So I think they're going to make it so they all have to coexist. And I, I hope they do turn this into something real. I don't know. Like I said, I'm still on the fence about it. And I don't know if CM Punk is the heel in all this or not, because there's two camps on this. So there's the camps that support... CM Punk and say, yeah, he's right. There's a lot of childish BS going on. And then there's the camp that supports the Bucks, and those are the same people that. So if it is, so if it is a shoot, though, here's the problem: CM Punk can now sue All Elite Wrestling for all the money in China. Three EVPs come at him in a locker room Mm -hmm. without an HR person, and it ends up in a physical altercation. Even if CM Punk started that, he still is going to sue that company for every last dollar on that contract. He is going to get paid out. Now, here's the other problem. I know Kenny Omega well. I am one of the few people Kenny Omega has not gotten along with in the wrestling business. So I met Kenny Omega in 2001 as a 17-year-old. And I'm going to talk about this on another episode. That's always my big drawback. I'm always holding back the story. But Kenny Omega, from 2001 when I met him as a 17-year-old until 2005, I worked with him a lot. Um, And then again, I worked with him in 07 or 08. And we don't have a good relationship. He's still an extremely professional, nice person. So for me to believe that Kenny Omega strolled into a locker room that was volatile and potentially led to a shoot is very unrealistic. Then, knowing that Don Callis would have said, hey, stay out of this, don't do this, let them figure it out, do not, do not subject yourself to this, that's where it really comes into work. I can't see Kenny Omega ending up in a shoot in any situation in the world from personal knowledge. Well, and that, that's why I said I don't think that he was really going in there guns a-blazing. And from, like, I mean, obviously the Bleacher Reports and stuff like that that we've read, his whole deal was... He was actually trying to get CM Punk's dog, Larry, out of the out of the, out of the way, and he got bit by Ace Steel, which who fucking and this is another thing that the doesn't biting, make, I don't yeah, get this that. doesn't make sense to me. You're employed as an agent. You know your role is a leadership role, and you should have been diffusing the situation, right? How stupid was well, this agent? Well, CM Punk's butt. It doesn't matter. Role. Doesn't matter. If I'm an agent, it doesn't matter that my friend is going to get in a shoot. I'm still in between the guys saying, guys. Stop this right now because there's going to be ramifications. Nobody did this. Tony Khan let this go to crowd. I have to believe that there is some brains in this operation that would never have let it get to this. I, That's I why it's a work. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But I don't think AEW has the wherewithal to pull off something like this. If it is Yes, a they work. do. No, they don't. It would only take one guy with the idea... To sit everyone down. CM Punk could have had this idea and said, listen, I'm going to be the Brian Pillman of this company. I'm going to be a total loose cannon. I'm going to say what I want, and people are going to buy it. And everyone is buying well, they it. Can't it, keep, it. They can't, work, they can't keep anything in the company. They can't keep anything in Wait the company. Wait a second. How does Dave Meltzer and all these people hear exactly what happened if it was a shoot? Wouldn't somebody realize put a lid on this and do damage control? And that's why, that's, that would be why you could pull me over to your camp almost, because Dave... Meltzer is so as every detail, but no, but like that's no conflicting stories. That's why he's such a good friend to Dave Meltzer. Also, believed the Montreal screw job was 100% as it seemed, and I'll tell you all the reasons it isn't what it seemed, and we'll do that in a future episode. <laughs> you have to keep listening to hear this stuff, apparently. So, but I'm telling you right now, I know that there is a chance it's a shoot if CM Punk gets fired because I'll tell you what I know about Kenny Omega from years of knowing him and I knew him when he was a 17 year old kid I will tell you this if Kenny Omega ended up getting bit or getting subjected to unprofessional unprofessional treatment from CM Punk where a physical altercation affected him and he didn't want it to he is definitely going to Tony Khan and saying I'm going to be very honest with you I am not doing business in a building that CM Punk is in so you can't even keep him on the crew and keep him away from me I am done it won't happen 
I heard a story about uh, Kenny Omega and Austin Aries, something similar. Yes. And it's, I guarantee you, if this was a shoot, CM Punk leaves that company or Kenny Omega leaves that company. Because Kenny Omega will not work with CM Punk after this if it is a shoot. And the, so the, if it goes to a work shoot, I'm telling you it was a work all along. And there's a problem with, with it for Tony Khan. I mean, it's not like I feel bad for the guy, the poor little billionaire. But on one hand, he's got Kenny Omega who's like, I'm not working with this guy. I won't work in the same building with this guy. On the other hand, you've got CM Punk where you release him. He's definitely going to WWE, and I know he said a lot of incendiary things. You think Punk's going? Any one of these guys gets released, they're going to WWE. 100%, but Punk is definitely going to WWE. So would Kenny Omega. I, I know, but that's, that's, that's why Tony Khan is in a rock and a hard place. No, he's not. See, this is the other we thing. We know he's not. He's got two bankable hold it, hold stars. It, hold it, If this was a shoot... The first thing Tony Khan does is damage control on Monday. This happened on a Sunday. Tony Khan is calling all four guys into a meeting together and saying, guys, we have a problem here, but we all have to work together to fix that problem. So let's get it all out and let's fix it. But this, if it is a shoot, and I guarantee you it is not, wait a minute, I don't want to make that guarantee. If it <laughs> is a shoot, and it really shouldn't be, if it is a shoot, it only underlines very, very boldly. Tony Khan is not qualified to run AEW. He's a billionaire who has the budget to run it, but he doesn't have the leadership skills to properly run it. And now it's time to talk to Shane McMahon, and now it's time to start talking to people who can run it like a sports franchise and fix this. And that, and that's, that, and that, that is why, right there in a nutshell, why I think it's not a shoot. Because, or not at work, because I just don't think that Tony Khan could pull it off. So, I mean, it, it, it remains to be he seen. He hasn't pulled anything off yet. He's, no. he's dropped the layers of it. But there's people asking for releases from the company, too. Who? And that's Who's asked? Thunder Rosa, Malachi Black. I, you should have saw the face I made. Yeah, oh, no. This is, this is a, I don't Mick know if you know Foley, this, Mike. This Mick, is an audio. Yeah, Mick Foley, <laughs> Mick Foley asked for his release or refused to show up after the Montreal screwjob. And that hurt. Yeah. But if I'm Tony Khan and I'm working the people, I'm laughing <laughs> that they're buying it. I'm telling you this. It would have to be the most dysfunctional wrestling company since WCW 1999, 2000, 2000, yeah, 2000, for this to be a shoot. Right. I don't believe that. I just don't believe that. But I buried a lead. We talk about Kenny Omega right off the get-go, and let's transition. Do you have anything more to say no, about I'm, that? No, that, we're good. I, am, we have fought, I can't we're believe both this. <laughs> you can hear the people coming in to the West End Cultural Center in Winnipeg. We're on a Friday. It's, you're, not, you're hearing this on Monday, but I am so impressed by Winnipeg Pro Wrestling. I poked my head in, saw their production. This is beautiful yeah, thing. This, this is, is what independent really nice. wrestling could be. And kudos to the promoters. Kudos to the people who are making this happen. I, I am so excited for what we're going to see tonight. They've got Here, people working the merch tables. Hawkers. Yeah, one of the things you... Why, see, A.T. Sanchez is working his own merch. He is. But He's breaking the rules. Um, but what I will say about this is we talk about what it could be and what it should be. And, and this is a work of, of art. This is Winnipeg Pro Wrestling's Don't Tell Mom the Referee's Dead. You got it. And I spelt it wrong. There's an apostrophe S on the referee. Like, it, like the is ownership? It, I think that... I don't know. Uh, I, I spelt it wrong three times this week. Okay. But I also want to thank Dave Cote, who gave us two tickets to give away that Sean Oliver won f to come here tonight. The ambiance in this building, the atmosphere is incredible. Uh, yeah, already fans are filtering in, but you can feel it. Like, I, can f I felt it as soon as I got here, but now that the fans are coming in, I can really feel, like, electricity in the air. I am impressed, and I don't impress easy. Um, one of the things we're going to do as a post to tonight's show is we're going to do a phoner on Sunday, I believe, after the Banjo Bowl, which the Bombers are going to win, 
I hope they win. Um, but we're gonna, I'm gonna give, your, give you my assessment of the show because that's something like they asked us to, they offered us a chance to come in and check it out. And I've been talking about these guys, they're selling out for a reason. And the, the atmosphere and the attitude in this building is, is it's. I, and I'm hoping I'm not too hungover after Vangible, Mike, because <laughs> you know they always have special deals on the beers and I'm a weak, weak man. Do they have special deals? For Vangible, yeah. They I work do. for the team and I don't know what the beer deals are. So let's go to break. Yeah. I told you that Kenny, it is a work. Listen to me on this. Do not argue with me. Thank you for arguing with me, though. It allowed me to bounce off. You know who I've been really battling with on this one is episode 18 guest, Steve Stryker, Darren Metzlar. And he's like, oh, it's a, it's a work and, or it's a shoot. And I said, Darren, when it comes out, it's a work. You're going to look like the biggest sucker because you haven't at least, and I feel bad that I just said that, but you haven't at least considered that somebody could have came up with the way to lay this out. I would have laid it out. I actually had laid out to my good friend, Good Time Gord, a few months ago that they could have done this with Kenny Omega and Samoa Joe after the yep. incident in 07 where Joe refused to do the, the job for Kenny. So think of the money. The company wouldn't want to tie up their four best stars, but that's where the money would be if it's a shoot, if it's a work, I mean. Right. If it's a work. It would be the money is in those four guys. So that's where they need to go with it. I think it's a work. I swear to it. And I'm going to keep talking like this until it's proven to be a shoot, which will be when CM Punk shows up on WWE. All right, let's go to a break, Mike. This episode of the Total Bees Cheese Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bee Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code BEESSHEEZ. Again, the code is B-E-E-Z-S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. Hey, this is Mr. Beefy Goodness Vance Savada, the author of Uncontrolled Chaos, Canada's remarkable professional wrestling legacy. You may have heard me on episode 17, and you're listening to the Total Bees She's Show. It's always a pleasure to have great guests on the show. This is a guy who in 2010, I said, could work anywhere in the world, not just in Canada, not just in any territory, anywhere in the world. And I would say that again today in 2022, 12 years later, AJ Sanchez, the Canadian crusher. He's part of the WPW, Don't Tell Mom, The Referee Is Dead, which goes in a couple of hours. How is it going, AJ? Uh, I could be wrestling anywhere in the world, and yet here I am wrestling at Rookies in the West End Cultural <laughs> Center. Yay! Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, Ben. You do, do you do do a fair bit of traveling, though. So, like, you're in Alberta a lot, and you're in Saskatchewan, and you do the CWE circuit. Um, what are the opportunities like right now, post, post-pandemic? Um, so, like, my personal life has kind of gotten in the way, just... Uh, We've got two years, essentially, of backlog. My family runs a DJ business, so weddings four days a week now. So my traveling has, has not been what it has been in the last little while. But like uh, uh, pre-pandemic, I, I was scheduled to go back to Mexico. I had some stuff lined up in Vegas and Florida uh, that, unfortunately, all got nixed. Um, but before things really started picking up for wedding season, um, I was at it, yeah, pretty much every month. I was back out in Alberta for Can-Am Wrestling and then picking up CWE shots wherever I could. Um, it's been good. I think it was people were a little hesitant to get back into the swing of things, and I think that's just the world in general. Um, but as I see that you see 
different companies everywhere popping up and new companies and, and new wrestlers and new everything. So I think we're, we're getting back to the swing of things and, and things will get back to fairly normal quite quickly. So with all those things popping up, new companies, the Winnipeg Pro Wrestling is a new company. There's 3D Pro Wrestling. I know you're wrestling for them as well. Um, is it hurting the market, helping the market, to ha- creating new fans, or is it the same fans being diluted with so many shows? That's a great question, which I think people often have a misinterpretation or, or misunderstanding of that. So um, there's definitely the core group of fans. They're, 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 they're the 15 to 50 people that are going to attend pretty much every show, and it doesn't matter. But what I noticed with WPW especially, they are, and again, they, they get some of the regular fans, but a majority of their audience since they started have been new fans. I'd say of the two to 300 people they're drawing, I'd would, 250 of them are, are new fans, people that hadn't seen wrestling or maybe hadn't seen it for a long time and now they're coming back and giving it a chance and um, definitely new people I think there are new people being drawn in they're not going everywhere um, but I think WPW and 3D draw a lot of similar audiences uh, which is great it's new people and and these shows are like you haven't been to one of these shows yet but they're just on another level like they're I can't even put into words what it's going to feel like in there later tonight. Okay, so does that put pressure on you? I know in 2010, WFX was creating a lot of new fans because of our advertising techniques. And you and, you and your partner, Kevin Chevy, had the pressure of being credible as the guys that were local, right? We had a big name roster and you and Chevy had to really prove yourselves as the, best, the guys that could go with those names. Is it pressure for you now on WPW and 3D and, and CWE that the new fans have to believe in the, in the local product. And you're kind of the flagship, you're the flag bearer for that. Yeah. I think there's pressure. Anytime you step foot in the ring, any person that's doing what we're doing, there's pressure. Yeah. Uh, I think there's pressure. Yeah. Being, I guess the top of the heap, whatever we're going to call it, you know what I mean? We're in working with every company you need to be. And just in the world we live in today, you need to be uh, politically correct. You need to do all these things. You need to be somebody that can be in this position. Um, so there's absolutely pressure, no matter what you do. Uh, back then, I think the pressure was a little different, where we, locally anyways, uh, we had to really prove ourselves. And a lot of people came and saw me in Chevy and, and right away, maybe maybe not dismissed us, but there was a, eh, like they kind of looked and turned their head at, at, at who we were when just based on the first look at us. So we had to work a little bit harder to prove ourselves for people to go, oh, okay, cool. These guys get it. They understand. There's still some work to do, obviously, but they're on the right path. I think at this stage of the game now, people look to me similarly, locally anyways, uh, look at me similarly to some of the guys on that WFX roster from back in the day. Like we looked at Billy Gunn and, and Hardcore Holly and stuff like that. So I think I'm in that position. <laughs> Granted, I you know, don't make as much money as they, ever <laughs> as they did by any means, but um, I, you know, the, I think the... There's pressure, but it's, it's a different scenario uh, from back then to today. So in 2010, the natural person you got compared to was Kevin Steen, yep. Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're kind of the, you, you're the elder statesman of the local scene with Mentolo and Adam Knight. So we know what we say about him, but <laughs> um, no pressure for you. You like that role? Is it, is it something that you kind of wish you could just go someplace and start over and, and establish a brand new credibility, or do you like the pressure of being that legend? I've always enjoyed pressure. I always like when, when eyes are on me because I always felt I could pretty much deliver. And that's not, not just wrestling. That's through uh, work uh, as a DJ in front of different audiences, playing football as a kid, playing sports as a kid. I always enjoyed and thrived on that kind of pressure. Um, so I don't mind that. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, when you're wrestling here locally, 
I think the pressure, again, we're going to talk about the pressure being different. It's different here because I'm established. But the second you start going elsewhere, when it was going to Mexico or wrestling all over the U.S. or anywhere new in Canada, it's a whole different type of pressure where these people don't know you. And now you can't just coast on being the guy here in Winnipeg. You've got to sit there and prove yourself to a whole new audience, which I, I thoroughly enjoy. So let's talk about pressure. We've, we've, we've heard that word a couple times now. Did you find there was a new type of pressure coming out of the pandemic? Because that was a long time where guys weren't in the ring, including yourself. So did you get back in the ring and find, whoa, there's a little more mileage on the old body than I thought? Or was it just like second nature? Um, so mileage on the body is getting a lot lower, uh, especially when you stop wrestling. Like yeah. there were times we were doing 38 days, 38 shows in 38 days. And your body, you just, you just build a callus to it. And it's just, it's just another day at the office. And, and it's when you slow down and now you're wrestling once a month or you're wrestling once a week even uh, that as far as the body goes, right. cool, oh boy. Um, luckily, during the pandemic, we had a training center in a building that I could just literally go to by myself. Perfect. And I had a ring set up. <laughs> so you were just there bumping from just scratch. There doing something. <laughs> Maybe not bumping. Okay. Uh, taking photos and posting them and so people knew that I was at least there. Yeah, like staying my, in ring shape. Like my gym photos. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, so... Um, no, I, I, no, no pressure. Uh, it it sound, maybe sounds cocky, but I feel like I'm a natural at this at this point. So it's like riding a bike. You know what I mean? You take some time off, right. it's fine. But, you know, you get back out there. Uh, I think maybe what's different is just navigating the different audiences and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and what can be said and what can't be said. And, yeah. and you know what I mean? Things like that. So you were doing handstands and back bumps and somersaults, staying in ring shape? Yeah, naturally. Um, so yeah. you're across the country now when you do shows. What are you seeing? Is the I'm hearing that the independent shows are hotter than ever. There's more fans. There's more interest. There's more revenue being generated. Is that legitimate or is that maybe some false hype? Uh, That's a tough I, one, hey? It's a tough, it's tough one to answer because even... Uh, I could go take a trip to Alberta and one night we're drawing 50, the next we're drawing 200. Yeah. Uh, it's, so it's, it's, it's tough to say. I, I firmly believe that if you do the work and you promote and people know that this is happening, people will show up. Yeah. I, I remember being uh, doubted for, on a CWE tour. Like, ah, wrestling's not going to draw on a Monday or a Tuesday. It needs to be a Thursday through Sunday thing. Absolutely not. We no. drew every night of the week when there was sufficient promotion in each market yeah it just it that goes without saying and like you you try it once or twice and if you realize okay you know what we've done the work that needs to be done here and this is just not a town that's going to draw then you you figure it out and that is on the the powers that be to figure that out um so tough to say there's more wrestling there's more shows than ever i love personally seeing <laughs> that guys are wrestling everywhere yeah i i I, I've heard the arguments. I understand the exclusivity idea. <laughs> I listen to you guys talk about this. Um, but speaking as a guy that works everywhere, um, so I'm probably going to be a little biased, obviously. Yeah. I still see attendance up. Yeah. I still see, you know, I don't see people drawing 20 people every week here. You know what I mean? So uh, I think it kind of puts a wrench in the old exclusivity argument. The challenge on exclusivity, and I've, I've belabored the point, and, the, and I stand by it, but the challenge to exclusivity is that there are guys that would benefit from exclusivity, and there are guys like yourself where promoters want you. Every promoter wants AJ Sanchez, and, and it would be hard for them to say, hey, you're only working for me, right? Because you add instant credibility to a, to a show. At the same time, if somebody came forward and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to generate a schedule, we're going to do this, and I need you to be my guy, I'm sure you would look at it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I See, I think this is the thing. 
when you're a local wrestler and you're just doing this for fun or as a hobby, you you look at it completely different than a guy does who's trying to make money. Absolutely. So somebody telling me I can't wrestle this town on Thursday because I'm here on Saturday doesn't work for me. Yeah. I try to make a living at this. You know right. I mean? uh, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So your mentality and your mindset completely changes. Uh, now, if somebody's going to come at me and say, hey, I'm going to give you 38 shows in 38 days, I still scoff at it. <laughs> if Danny told me, don't work elsewhere after those 38 shows are done, I would probably tell him no. Like, it just, you know, I know my worth. I know my value to everybody. And it is what it is, right? So yeah. I would still scoff at it. I, I understand the principles of it, uh, but I just, I don't agree. Well, there's yeah. something else to consider too, uh, and, and that's that like you are a stalwart that's been around for a while, so your shtick in the ring is not the same every night, whereas if you're, you're a, like a startup, a one-year-in guy, your your basic framework's probably going to be pretty similar. So if somebody comes see and sees you tonight and then sees you for CWE in two weeks, they're not going to see the same thing. So, and here here's my thought on that too, is um, and what I'm learning as I just navigate through wrestling in 2022, people are like, people are aware that this is a show and it's predetermined and call it what you will. People are aware of that. So lo- I think long gone are the days. I think uh, why a guy like MJF is, is considered special is because he's keeping that character outside the ring, which is so tough to do today. Yeah. So the thing is, and, and I as a heel, I get this all the time, man. You were great out there. And it's like applauding the theatrical performance I just put forth. Yeah. No matter how much heat I got, no matter what, when that is done, I get messages either on social media or at the merch table while I'm trying to find a girl to sell my merch. I, I sit there and I get people <laughs> putting me over. You know what I mean? It's, it's, they're not coming out there and, and going, man, I hate you. Like, it's not that anymore. Yeah. It's a case of, wow, this guy was really good. And you'll notice a lot of times heels, I think, eventually get turned babyface because they're just so good at what they do. It's no longer a fight. It's no longer, it's not, it's not that it's not a fight, but it's no longer the 80s. Yeah. When you're good, people are being applauded and, and put over for their performance. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. So if you're seeing heel AJ Sanchez over here at Primo's and then you're seeing babyface AJ Sanchez over here at CWE, is there maybe a conflict of interest? I, I no. See, I can see why people might think yeah. that, but they're going to that show. Yeah. When it's done, they know that AJ Sanchez is not really this bad guy that's doing these things to people yeah. that I let people on or to believe anyways. But um, you know what I mean? So I think people are, are performing, or sorry, applauding the performance yeah. nowadays. And I think that's a big difference from where wrestling was years ago. I like. agree with you 100% and still disagree with you. Mm-hmm. The onus isn't on the wrestlers on the exclusivity point. Every wrestler should want to work every show. The onus is on the promoters to be better business people, to work on a, to build their company. So the wrestlers are like, I want to work for a company that's doing it professionally all the way. You're, I'm not seeing that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not seeing a, a company that's coming forward and saying, hey, this is the presentation of what we're offering. We're going to have professional photography, professional uh, camera crews, WFX, what we had. We had a million dollar backer, or so I thought, and we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> but I don't expect wrestlers right now to be locking down to what they're seeing in the marketplace right now, where every promoter wants to coexist. Nobody's trying to be the king of the promoters. They're saying, hey, I just want a piece of the pie. They don't want the whole pie. So why would wrestlers commit to that, right? So I agree with you 100% based on what the current landscape is. Speaking of which, which markets in Canada right now are the hottest? Is that a tough one? 
Um, I don't. I don't think it's a tough one. Um, so I've mainly been in Western Canada, but I try to follow everything that's going on. Yep. Uh, BC right now seems to be doing some some cool ass stuff. Sure. With that N- NEW, NEW yeah. WrestleCore, yeah. uh, All Star Wrestling's back at it. Like I, I try to pay attention to these things. Yep. Uh, so BC, it looks like Thrash Wrestling is killing it everywhere they go. From what I'm checking out, uh, Winnipeg. I think is hot as well. You look WPW. I agree. Case in point, the tickets sell out the, the following day. So, uh, to me, in, in my time, anyways, that's unheard of. I, yeah, I've, and they're charging a healthy amount. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's great. Um, to my knowledge, Primos is doing well. Uh, 3D is doing well. Could they be doing better? Absolutely. Everybody could be doing better. Yeah. You know what I mean? They need to move to bigger venues because they're selling most of their tickets. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But, so, 3D is going to try that. Now, that's going to be the telltale sign be of good whether... good to see. You know what I mean? Um... So I think, I think, uh, <laughs> I don't want to bury Saskatchewan here, but I don't see much <laughs> going on out there. You know what I mean? Like in the way uh, there's, in the, which is crazy because there's one or two companies in each market, Saskatoon and Regina and the, you know, CWE is running the, the little markets and they're doing well. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Carn Duff and, and Wayburn and the towns yeah. that Danny is running, uh, psh, they're doing very well. Yeah. Um, but I look at Regina where there's essentially one company and they're topping out at 100. It's underserved. That Regina, I don't know Regina and Saskatoon are both underserved. Like I, as somebody who lived in Saskatchewan for a long time, I do keep an eye on things going on there. And you're you're not wrong. Like mm-hmm. I'm not seeing the hot, the hot hotness that I was seeing with HIW, for example, during their heyday. Uh, HIW was drawing a good amount of people, and and the angles are good, and the guys they're bringing in were good. Like I'm not seeing any of that now. Yeah, and it, that's the thing too. It can be done. Cat when when Cash was running HIW. Their big shows were drawing a legitimate six to eight hundred people. Yeah, I, like I was at one. Like it was, they were in a curling club, and and to their credit, they did everything: lights above the ring, full on entranceway that you don't see at this level. Like they, they went above and beyond. Now the cost to operate that, obviously, you can't be doing that every week in the market. You're just going to burn things out. But um, yeah, you don't see a whole lot of this in Saskatchewan, yeah. uh, Alberta right now. Dare I say, maybe oversaturated? Uh, Could be starting to. Yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, stuff going on out there. Um, at the end of the day, you just—I hope for the best. I want everybody to do yeah, well. But exactly. Like, Winnipeg might start to be oversaturated as well. It's—it might start me starting to get there. I've always been curious because, like, Winnipeg's a, a fairly smaller city, but like, is there some value? So, like, if you go down to say Minnesota, there's somebody running St. Paul, and then there's somebody running like. Minneapolis, and then there's somebody running uh, Chanhassen, which is, I mean, a 15-20 minute drive from from downtown Minneapolis, but it's almost like a town unto its own. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I wonder, is there? Oh, this guy's running St. James. This guy's got Transcona. These guys got the West End. Is, is there any value in that, or is it just is it too small? I, I don't know. I, I think the market is uh, interconnected, so I don't know if that would work. Here, uh, training. How is that going when you're, you're training wrestlers? Who's the, who's your prize student so far? Oh boy, uh, tough question. If I say that, I'm going to bury every other no, one. No, not of them. necessarily. You can put them all over. You uh, can say well, they're I all. I could good. have done that, except yeah. I won't. So, <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, all the guys. The thing is, is like. If, my belief is to accentuate the positives and try to hide the negatives. So not everybody's going to be as charismatic um, as a Danny Duggan. Not everybody's going to be able to wrestle like a Mentolo. Uh, that's just not physically uh, possible. Um, but all of those guys come out of there. I, I, I know that my training was not good when I started. Yeah. I was like, I was <laughs> you were like, mostly self-taught. I, I guess so, yeah. yeah. I taught by others, but I, my training lasted a total of probably eight hours. Yeah, so you definitely learned on, on the go. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And it, it pains me because what I learned in five years, I probably could have learned in a year with the right guy. Yeah. So I always felt like, man, you know, maybe if it was hammered into me, hey, go to the gym, get in shape. This needs to be done. Because yeah, that's always, literally always been the critique 
is that I'm not in the shape that I need to be. Jim Ross and Gerald Briscoe literally told me that in Iowa. So like, just wasn't what WWE was looking for. So I said, I've traveled, I've done a bit of, uh, a bit of stuff. I'm not saying that I'm, uh, it was like 2013 when I started. I'm not saying that I'm the guy that should be doing this, but I don't see anybody else doing it. So I want to do it the right way. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know everything, but I'm going to hammer it home and do things the right way and make sure that even if I do not create the best wrestlers that they're going to come out of here respectful, and know how to handle themselves and carry themselves uh, accordingly when at shows and when I'm not there. And okay. that, that's why you are the guy to do it. That's why you are the guy to do it because, no, I mean, yeah, it's great to have it hammered in by a great trainer, but that's few, honestly, that's few and far between. If you watch the Indies, there's a handful of good trainers and there's a handful of okay trainers and then there's a big bucket of crappy trainers. So if you teach people to, to carry themselves in a certain way, other vets will help them out. And, and that was always the thing, too, is when, when guys would come to me, like, you're always taught, find a reputable trainer, find somebody that's been there and done that. I, I would tell guys before they started training with me, listen, in Canada, there's, there's Scott Damore out in, in uh, Windsor, and then there's Lance Storm in Calgary. If you want a better shot at, at doing something more, go to those guys. Like, yeah. I, but I understand paying $4,000 and finding your own lodging and living out in, in Calgary for three months is just not feasible for some people. So I made sure that guys understood that I absolutely do not have the name value of those guys, but I'm going to spend more time with you. Guys generally take a year before they get in the ring. I make, it's not just a three-month, five-day-a-week thing. Um, and then when they're in the ring and they started wrestling, they're still in training. They're still coming back. We're still breaking down matches and, and seeing what can be done and, and, and so forth. So I think they get a maybe a little bit more personable experience uh, with me. And then I always try to make sure to have Danny Duggan, uh, Mentolo, uh, Chevy. Marty these, Gold? Marty Gold has dropped in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, Shane Madison. We try to have as many of those guys, when yeah. the opportunity is right, come down, take a look. I've had Gene Swan drop in. Brian Jewell recently Nice. Down. So... We try to take those guys and have them come down and offer whatever expertise they could that maybe I'm not saying. Um, so yeah. prospective students should hit you up on Facebook, AJ Sanchez? Absolutely, AJ Sanchez LaRock, or they can message uh, uh, the CWE, I think it's info at cwecanada.ca, um, Elite Wrestling Academy on Facebook. Um, yeah, they can do that. Uh, as far as trainees, uh, let's, James Roth is looking pretty good right now. Yeah, so I, I would agree. Yeah, firefighter, less, right? Yeah, less than a year in the business. That's and great. Wow. Watch him tonight. I, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. And that's how we're going to wrap this tonight. Who are you wrestling? What are we going to see tonight? So when I do my post-show critique, I can say how well you did compared to your prediction. Wow. So <laughs> I, you're going to see me wrestle Kid Chocolate Mo Jabari. And from my understanding is, is making quite the waves out in Alberta. Um, doing a lot of work with Bret Hart and, and, and traveling quite a bit. And uh, I've never worked with him. I think I've met him once, maybe twice. Uh, so as far as how things are going to go tonight, I couldn't really tell you. All I can tell you, though, is that you're going to enjoy yourself. The atmosphere is going to be like nothing you've ever been a part of, it, in my opinion, as far as local wrestling goes. And you're going to have a good time. AJ, thank you so much for joining us to be yes. She's Like This. Good luck tonight. Stay safe. Don't get hurt. And thank you for uh, having a friendly debate about exclusivity and non-exclusivity. I will bury you behind your back once this is done. <laughs> thank you. The Total B She's Show releases new episodes every Monday. Follow the Total B She's show on Twitter at Total B She's, on Instagram at Total B She's, or search us on Facebook, Total B She's. All right, Mike, now it's time for fan questions and whoa, whoa, super whoa, whoa, whoa. fan. Oh, oh. You forgot a very important detail. What's that? Soon to be soon sponsored to be, the mailbox. Be, the soon to be sponsored mailbag we've been mailbag. calling. Mailbag, okay. We call mailbag, mailbox. Mike's got a box, I got a bag. Uh, okay, so here we go. 
This one's coming in from Superfan Dave, Dave Cote. Our good friend gave us two tickets to give away that Sean Oliver won. Yes. Not the kayfabe commentary Sean Oliver, unfortunately. Different uh, Sean Oliver. Okay, so he said, great episode, which is always nice. Two questions this week. Do you think it's more profitable to run a traveling promotion like CWE over several towns or stay in one area? And the second one, I'll ask it right now. We'll, we'll hit it to. Secondly, how would you personally deal with the AEW drama I see Mike and I have very different tastes in music. He went to BSB. I went to Motley Crue. This is just a little extra stuff. Enjoy WPW, he says. Okay, so uh, I'm assuming he's saying, how would you handle AEW okay. if you believed it was a shoot? Yes, exactly. Which you First don't. and foremost, I would go to Motley Crue, and I would probably enjoy it more than I enjoyed uh, Backstreet Boys. So we have the same taste. I just went to a boy band concert. Um, okay, so if it was a shoot, let's make that... You want to go to that one first? Yeah, okay. let's go there first. If it was a shoot, the first thing I would do after the unfortunate incident happened in the locker room is I would call all four guys into a meeting Monday morning and I would say, okay, it's going to go one of two ways. I am exploring my legal options to fire all of you, right? any one of you, or we're going to get together and we're going to fix this. So do you want it to be broken or do you want it to be fixed? I would, But I would also look at it as Tony Khan and if this was a shoot, and I don't think it was, I would say it is time to find leadership for this locker room. I would immediately go to Chris Jericho and say, you've been a leader. I need you to be even more of a leader. I want you to take a more active role. I would then also start reaching out to Shane McMahon or somebody that's going to come in and run this company right? It makes sense why you would do this and it would be the right time to do it. Uh, thirdly, as, uh, as Tony Khan is losing momentum, I would talk about how my dad, Shad, is putting more money into the expansion of the company. I would want a good news story coming out of it. So I would say that Shad Khan has agreed to put more money behind it to fund the expansion into Canada and international shows. I would want a good news story that outweighs the negatives of this shoot. None of that has happened because it's a work and it's leading to a money match for crying well, out loud, it's, Dave. It's just, it's just what I said, though. Uh, how do I put this? They need somebody to say no. I said, I've said this in previous episodes, but they need people in the backstage that will tell the guys no. And that's an important part of being a boss. And I don't know if you'll agree with this. You've been a boss, but sometimes you have to say no. I would have said no. Just, I'll tell you another guy they could get. And everyone's going to say they couldn't get him. Why wouldn't they go and get Bruce Pritchard? Yeah. Because guaranteed now that Vince isn't there, Bruce is probably open to, to going. So there's another guy that potentially could and do it. Jeff Jarrett could do it. He'll say no, too. Like uh, Jeff Bruce, Jarrett won't say no. Bruce Pritchard will say no to guys. I don't know about that. He won't say oh, no to oh, the boss. Oh, say no to the... Yeah. To, I, the, the boss is whatever. The talent are the ones that need to be told no, because it seems like the inmates are running the asylum. Yeah. Like when I was an assistant program director in Alberta, I would say no to people. Yes just to say no and then if they came back and fought for it again then I knew it was something I had to look at sometimes it was as simple as you know can we have new mic socks or whatever I would just say no and then if they came back then I knew it was an important issue this is issue. a lot bigger than mic socks though 100% it's, but you, th so, that's what they need backstage you need somebody to say yeah. no yeah okay so there's too much yes that's how I would do it first and foremost is I'd have the meeting with all four guys and we'd move on from it 
uh, we either it's broken and one of you is getting fired or three of you or four of you are getting fired or we're fixing it together. I would be a leader and I would, I would tackle it. Second thing I would do is I would move past it. And third thing is I'd make a big announcement of something positive and I would, that would be international expansion. Um, so that's, what I, that's the answer. Is it more profitable to run a local company or a traveling company? Great question. One of my big criticisms is these companies that are running once every eight weeks and they're building their market, but they're building it to two or 300 people and they're not looking for bigger and and growth. Um, My opinion is Danny's business model is amazing and kudos to him for building it. I think he has enough revenue to run his company effectively well. But at the same time... Oh, it's Herb Abrams. In some markets, he, he is lagging behind the locals who are doing a great job. I think the thing is, be proud of what you're building and realize if, if you're building a business plan to profit... Either system can work, but you have to have the plan, you have to have a market strategy, you have to create new fans, and you have to always be moving forward with momentum. So whether that's the traveling realm or if that's the, the local version, that's up to them. I think you have to do at least a little bit of both. I yep. think you have to uh, you know, establish a small trap line at the, at the start and then decide if you want to go, go wide. All right, we have another question here. Do you think in hindsight, CM Punk's arrival is why Cody left AEW. I don't think it matters. I think Cody and AEW was really stale, and I think Cody really did bad in AEW. And he had an initial boost when he got to WWE before he tore his pack. Um, I think CM Punk's kind of wearing that... He's get, he's getting painted with an ugly brush, even though he is the single biggest ratings draw. Yep. He is probably contributing to the single biggest amount of pay-per-view buys. Um, I think Cody leaving was not a bad step for AEW. I don't think it had to do with CM Punk. I think the positives outweigh the negatives with what CM Punk brought to brought to AEW. And I think that's why they got to move past it. Cody and WWE works initially. I don't believe it works a year after. So he got hurt right away. He comes back. I think he's going to have a short run on top. I don't think he's Roman Reigns. I don't think he's Brock Lesnar. I think he's more of a second or third tier. He's better than Kevin Owens. He's somewhere between Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. Yeah, I, I think he's right there. I, I agree with you. He's not, he's not Brock. He's not, he's not Roman. But I think he's right there. I think he could be. Yeah. I just don't think, I think you're right. He's not there yet. Okay. And do we have any more questions? That's all the questions. So all three questions came from our buddy, Dave? All three questions from Dave Cote this week. Well, that's amazing. Um, It's a couple things I wanted to touch on before we go to my post wrap, which is going to be done over the phone. Sorry to Scotty Townsend, but because I'm not going to, we're not going to do a Twilight version. You're not going to be walking this time, are you? No, I will call you Sunday morning to get this in. Okay. So I'm going to break down what we see tonight at this beautiful venue, West End Cultural Center, Winnipeg Pro Wrestling. Don't tell mom the referee's dead. I have to say something I'm learning. There is, in Winnipeg, there is a tension building around the last weekend of October. There is a show at the Park Theater by 3D Pro Wrestling. There is a show at Deer Lodge Community Center by Primo's. And I'm hearing... The Comic-Con show might not be done by Primos. So there could oh. be three separate promoters running the same weekend. Get on the same page, guys. It is bad when the market is being run by so many promoters. There's a thing in Winnipeg called La Burger Week, and every restaurant puts out their feature item. 
if you're going to go this way and you're all going to run and you're not, with reckless abandonment with what other promoters are doing, I would like to see the wrestling week. I would like to see all the promoters put their best step forward all in one week so fans can pick and choose and grade and give their honest feedback of what was the best. It's time for promoters to either work together or work against each other. If you're going to work against each other, it's competition. You better be putting your best step forward. That's what we need to see at this point. I agree, Mike. And you know what? We're getting ready for the show here, so I think we should go take in some wrestling. Thank you. This is Wayne Stanton from Episode 6 of the Total Bees She's Show. If you're not listening to this podcast, I think you're a coward. All right, Mike, we are back now. You're on the phone line. We're going to do this post-show wrap-up, and I want to get your thoughts on the show, the WPW show, Don't Tell Mom the Referee's Dead. I thoroughly enjoyed myself, and I thought, uh, you know, I th- I just want to shout out to the guys who put that, uh, guys and gals who put that show on because, boy, was that first class. So Friday night, September 9th, West End Cultural Center, Winnipeg Pro Wrestling did something that I didn't think was possible. If I ever had the itch to promote wrestling again and produce a wrestling event, this show discouraged me from doing it. I'm going to tell you why. If I did it, if I did become a promoter again, I would do it with the ambition of being better than everybody possible. And I don't think I could have done it better than they did it Friday night. Uh, I figure there was about 350 people, 300 people in the building. I didn't do a head count. I only stayed till intermission because I had to be up very early Saturday to work for the Bombers of Banjo Bowl. But I was floored. That atmosphere, that fan base was so loud for everything. It was incredible. This was a first-rate production from top to bottom. I saw referee Alfonso um, walking around in a hoodie. And I asked, where'd you get that? How do I get one? He said, I made it myself. And it looked amazing. I want to get a picture of that hoodie for social media. Um, Devin, who invited us down there to do the podcast live from there, what an amazing job he's doing. It was from top to bottom amazing from what I saw at Phil Intermission. Josh Alexander wrestled Cheeks, a local wrestler. He did everything a big name should do when wrestling a local guy. He made the guy look competitive. And even though he's the Impact World Champion, he made the local look like he had a shot. Yeah. That was really good. And then, there, and then there was that women's match. So the women's title match between Allie Catch and Jody Threat was one of the best matches I've ever seen locally of two women. Jody Threat, I guess she was in NXT. She was great. She won the match. She's the new champion. But Allie Catch really gave her a run for her money. It was back and forth. The people were so into it. Um, I, I just really, really want to say how great this show was. I give it a five star out of five star for the first half. I saw, I, I joined Kevin Cannon to watch part of it and we were pretty, pretty We Most of the stuff we had to say was pretty positive. Um, I would tell all Winnipeg wrestling fans, get on that list to, uh, cause they sell out really fast. So get on the waiting list to get tickets. Cause I bet you they're going to keep selling out because everybody went. And one thing I, uh, one thing I did notice. Winnipeg wrestling has always had the been synonymous with not a beer drinking crowd. A lot of bars that have hosted wrestling events always say nobody really drinks at these things. The lineup to get beer was incredible. Yeah, uh, I had to wait. I had to wait in line three times to get beer, and there was two sides of, of service. So it was uh, it was top to bottom, really, really, really good. Uh, and I, I I wish I could go more in depth. I did take notes, but the notes I would have would be very technical. 
And I, I'm talking to fans now. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, the, the work was this or, or the psychology was that. I'll let other people do that. And it's not that I'm not qualified to do that. But from a fan perspective, it's everything you're going to pay for. You're going to leave the event wanting to get tickets to the next one. And that's what's important here. Uh, who's, who stood out for you? Did you have anybody who stood out for you at the, that, on that first half of the show? Because I, I want to say, for me, Big Bobby Shink or Sweet Bobby Shink really stood out yeah, for, the guy who for me. Yeah, drank maple syrup. Yeah. yeah, he was. You know what? And I'm going to tell you, going into the show, I had an opinion of Bobby Shink. I've seen him wrestle once or twice. And I thought he was all, all character and not actual yeah. wrestling. But I, his, his, the stuff he did in the match was really good. The stuff he does in the character is actually really good. He drinks uh, like maple syrup in his match. And, and I was like, oh, it's probably a work. He probably puts Ryan Coke or just Coke in there so that it's not bad, for, like hard for him to, to swallow and digest. No, he apparently it's legitimate maple syrup. And he has a holster. Uh, Bobby, yeah. So I'd say Bobby Shank definitely stood out. Uh, Cheeks really did well for himself yes. against Josh Alexander. The two women were really good. The opener, which was uh, Crow versus... Uh, oh, uh, Monroe versus the Rhinestone Cowboy. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Uh, yeah, but uh, the best part about that for me was Kevin Chevy. Lazy Carning, Reese Dees, Keys Bees. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Um, that was a good match. The guy who actually stood out to me, and I, this guy could make a living in the business. I really believe WWE or AEW would look at him, is the referee Alfonso. Yeah. I thought he was a big league ref. Like, he was perfect. Uh, he's also, I believe, one of the guys running the company. But all, all in all, it was everything I wanted. I, we did the podcast before the show, and then I just wanted to be entertained for three hours. I'm, I'm in the busiest time of my year. I'm stressed out. And for the two hours I was there, I was utterly entertained. Yeah. That's all I could ask for. Yeah, you, you're 100% right. And while you were talking to Kevin Cannon, I was talking to uh, Kevy Chevy, and we we're, were watching the Bobby Shink match. And I saw the syrup at first. I was like, ah, oh, here comes the Gaga. And, and, and Chevy was like, no, just, just keep, keep an open mind about it. Literally. He, he said, keep an open mind about it. Let's watch. And so we watched the match. I was like, you know what? as much as I hate to say it, this works. All of it works. The syrup worked. It was fun, but he still wrestled a match. He didn't make a, it didn't make a joke out of, out of the actual wrestling aspect of the match. It was fun. It was a good match. I, I will, I will go back to a WPW show for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, the last thing I'll say is I did see Kevin Chevy. He's trimming down. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's looking like he's in the best shape of his life, but, going to be interesting to see like maybe he's got one last good run in him but i i thought he looked better than i've seen him look in five or ten years so whatever he's doing it's working for him well yeah and he, he said to me oh you're looking trim i was like let's talk about you like holy cow yeah he yeah. look he looks fantastic yeah so that's all i really have to say i wanted to keep this brief and quick and talk to the fans about why they want to buy tickets to winnipeg pro wrestling because i don't think there's a way in the world they'll be disappointed i think the way they built this fan base is very clear they always over deliver and under and under disappoint. So I think that that's, uh, that's, that's good for them. All right, Mike. And in, in closing, I think it's time we throw on a little, uh, of our favorite artist, your favorite artist, Glenn Goza. And we're going to catch you all next week for episode 21. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling, going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. 
R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the rumper bumper butt butt delivered by the Iceman. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the Iron Claw as only the Vaughn Erics can. Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover, and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Boy, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon?